0: This is the Everyday AI Show, the everyday podcast where we simplify AI and bring its power to your fingertips. Listen daily for practical advice to boost your career, business, and everyday life. How will AI change the tech industry, right? We talk about AI every single day here on the show, but how is it going to change that industry? You know, how long until we all have digital twins? you know, should we be buying real estate in the metaverse? I I don't know. That's why we bring on experts on the show who can answer these hard-hitting questions for us. So more on that later, but welcome to Everyday AI. This is your daily live stream podcast and the free delay newsletter. Can't forget about that. Helping everyday people make sense of what's going on in the world of AI because there's a lot. And then how we can use all of this information, all of these new technologies and advancements how we can use that to grow our companies and grow our career so if you want to know how ai is changing the tech industry stick around and if you're joining this live actually get your questions in now uh this is going to be a great show i'm extremely excited for our guest today but before we get started like we do every single day let's run down what's going on in the world of ai news cuz it's a lot to keep up with all right so let's start at the top open ai is getting into hardware? So uh, it was just reported a potential collaboration between Apple's former chief design officer, John Ive, and OpenAI CEO, Sam Altman, to create some sort of hardware device. They haven't mentioned it yet. Uh, So it should be interesting to see what comes of this potential partnership. And if you uh, know Johnny Ive, you probably because he helped develop the iPod and iPhone, (laughs) right? A device that most of us probably use. Speaking of OpenAI, their valuation is soaring. Uh, they are in talk with investors right now for a sh- uh, share sale that could value the startup at $90 billion. That's with a B, $90 billion, right? Wild. Uh, and you know, we've been talking this week also about OpenAI's uh, new uh, features that are being rolled out to ChatGPT as well. So a lot of exciting things going on at OpenAI. Uh, exciting things going on in the world of Hollywood because the writer's strike is finally over. So the Writer's Guild of America strike has officially ended after five long months. Um, And this is a tentative deal that approved number one, better pay, but also included some key negotiations over AI usage. That's why we've been covering it, you know, every, every couple of weeks here on the Everyday AI Show. So the terms of the deal include that AI-generated material cannot be used to, in quotes, undermine a writer's credit. Also, uh, companies, according to this new tentative deal, companies must be transparent with writers when AI-generated content is given to them or incorporated into a project. It's going to be uh, very interesting to see how that is policed and regulated, especially with how uh, commonly available AI is. You know, we have AI now coming to. Uh, the operating system, and the desktop. Uh, So it's going to be interesting. Uh, Speaking of that, there is now AI on the desktop, on the operating system for, I believe, the first time ever. So we have Microsoft Copilot updates that were released just less than 24 hours ago. So this is a free Windows 11 update, and it brings Copilot to the desktop. So again, this isn't the big release that's happening November 1st, where uh, Microsoft is unveiling Microsoft 365 Copilot across micro, uh, Microsoft's suite of apps. So essentially all of your different, you, you know, your your email and your calendar and your Teams meetings can all talk to each other and, you know, you can create presentations, you know, based on attachments. That's coming out November 1st and is available at $30 per month per user. But this free update that was just unveiled yesterday brings some actually extremely impressive AI-enabled uh, updates to the desktop. Some of those being included, uh, in some of those included are AI-powered updates to Paint, Snipping Tools, Photos, and more. Wow, a lot going on. You, you know, I thought I thought like Monday and Tuesday were big uh, with with AI news, but today is uh, even more. But luckily, we have an expert that can help us sort through uh, everything that's going on uh, in the world, especially when it comes to the tech industry. So uh, very excited. And please help me welcome to the show. Uh, we have uh, Fernando Mier, who is the Global Emerging Experiences Practice Lead at Avenad. Fernando, thank you so much for joining the show. No, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm excited to be here. All right, so much going on uh, and, and I can't wait uh, to have this discussion uh, but but first let's just start at the top uh, because I know even a lot of uh, a lot of people out there may have not heard of Avanade. and I'm like, wait, you haven't like this is a joint venture between Microsoft and Accenture, but you, you know give everyone you know high level of, of who Avenat is and, and what you' all do.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. So as you mentioned, we are a joint venture between Accenture and Microsoft. We were founded around the early 2000s, actually in 2000. <laughs> so, uh, And we, like our parent company, Accenture, are a service company, right? But we are the leading provider of services and innovations across the Microsoft ecosystem. And that is what makes us Different uh, because we believe that we combine the best of our parents' companies, the consulting side from Accenture and the technical expertise from both Microsoft and Accenture uh, to build custom solutions that uh, change the way that our clients work and do things with people, right? Like ultimately, uh, we are also a people focused company. So we strive to make a genuine human impact uh, through our work, uh, but uh, we are doing everything uh, by advancing this through the power of Microsoft and the power of people. So uh, when you think about stuff like the copilots that you were mentioning and things coming out for the Windows ecosystem, when you think about the Azure um, OpenAI, things that are out in the world, uh, or even the GitHub copilot, right, that uh, came out last year, or again, the metaverse as, as, as you were talking in your intro and, and what does that mean for Microsoft? Like that is, that is kind of like what we are working on on that digital innovation that it's, again, we see it as a crucial tool for solving business challenges and make the world a better place.
0: Mm. Now um, I know that, and, and obviously people know like, Hey, Jacqueline here says, she goes, Oh, we all know Abenad. They have former DePaul students working there. So yes, yeah, we, we do. Have, yeah. We have, we, Hey, <laughs> Uh, Fernando's local. So we're, we're shouting out Chicago. We're keeping it extra Chicago. And thanks Jackie for joining us. Um, and also this is a live show. Get your questions. If get your questions in, if whatever you want to know about how AI uh, can change the tech industry, get the questions in now. So, uh, for Fernando, I'm, I'm very interested because I'm sure you work, uh, works with clients of all sizes and probably Mm -hmm. a common question that you all get is, is why should our company even use AI? Uh, so, so how would you, you know, kind of in your role, but also, you know, with what Avanade does, how do you answer that? You know, why would, you know, cause I hear that all the time. Why do I, yeah. why would I use AI?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, to answer that, I'm just kind of going to split it into things, right? So when you talk about what is a global emerging experience, Practice lead. Uh, it's, just, it's actually something very new. It's, it's a, a like not a lot of people have that title. My, my background is on UI/UX, but before on that was on product design. And pretty much what I do is I work for our office of the CTO, heavily focusing on what and how and why people will use things like AI, digital twins, metaverse, green software, or any sorts of emerging technologies um, in order to build go-to-market strategies that will help us and our clients, the, from all sizes, as you were mentioned, uh, adopt those technologies correctly and responsibly. Um, I also work on developing relationships inside and outside of Abanab to build out our workforce and the processes needed to support those endeavors for us and for our clients. And a, port, a fun part of my job is that I get to play a lot with the technology, right? So when you ask about how is that we're going to be using AI uh, some of the things that I get to do is I get to use AI ourselves uh, and I get to uh, touch touch it before we even recommend it to someone and like tell them that, hey, this is actually something that you might be interested. Um, the other thing, though, to answer the question that you actually ask is that um, I see that for us, AI is not new, uh, generative AI is. Uh, and it's pushing us to a new era on one where AI is pervasive, as in mobile phones and the internet. But and but again, the the thing itself, the foundations, so or the reason why it's so powerful is that we as the tech industry have worked on it uh, for a while, and even the Gen AI portion of it, right? It's not going to happen overnight. Um, but the the seeds for it have been already planted, and. Uh, now it's on us as individuals and as a society to learn how to use the technology responsibly, right? Um, and it's part of what I was talking about. Like my job description is like figuring out why and how people, in uh, ourselves, want to use these things. Even using my background um, as an experienced designer, so I know the transition might sound jarring for people, but uh, in 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 particularly as you start seeing, right? Like now, like Copilot is even on your operating system, right? Mm -hmm. If you use Windows computers. But at the same time, think about it as when the first uh, modern calculator was introduced, right? It appalled many when it was introduced for the general public, even though the benefits of it, like the benefits of AI were clear, but um, it wasn't something entirely new, right? Calculating machines had existed for thousands of years with the beginning of the abacus. But when the pocket calculator was invented, Uh, We as a society originally thought that they will make people dumber by not enforcing them to do critical maths themselves. Um, The fear was there and people started, like schools started banning it right away away, uh, in order for people not to cheat. But but I like to believe that the modern calculator didn't make us cheat. It actually freed us to focus on other areas of the problems we were facing as if we were using it correctly, it actually made us quicker and better as a society, right? Um, so that is part of what I think uh, and how I think we are going to be using AI. And, I, and I'll and i get you to that, right? Like, uh, I mean, we've all been using it for a while, right? From like the Netflix content suggestions to like the facial recognition to unlock your phone. Um, again, those advancements that make our lives easier are all really powered by this AI um like that that we are talking and that has been developed for a while. So one of the things that here at the company we like to do is help our clients to understand that they do have to think on AI as an AI first and a people first mindset. And what does that mean? Well, an AI first mindset means that um, you have to start thinking about like, how is that you're going to be using this technology, right? Like, like what data do you have? Um, like you might, if AI might not be on everything, but you should consider it for everything because if it's going like to make your life and your work easier and make you more efficient, why not consider it from the get-go, right? Mm. If, even if you don't end up using it. Um, the other one people first is because we know though, that by applying AI, people are going to change the way that they work. And not only that, they are going to be having some reactions, right? Like you just talk about the Writer strike and the implications of it all and kind of like how people were like laying out how people were going to use it so those type of things need change management and uh they need like organizations to adopt in like uh think about it right kind of like uh when the first uh gui came out and it made, it moved us from using typewriters to like spreadsheets in the 80s or then the mobile devices came out and we switched from using our computers to like start consuming the internet every day in our mobile phones. Um, same thing can be said for AI and that's, that's why having that people first perspective and thinking about the experiences that people will have, um, it's very very important, and yeah. we do this with a lot of clients. I'm happy to give
0: you examples, but yeah. I kind of want you to be able to continue asking. No, people. that's that's. I mean, you just unpacked, and and like what Shannon just said, uh, you know, joining us here live, eloquently delivered. Because I think you just took us on a very short trip on on how generative AI can can even be used. And you know, one thing that you said, Fernando, that I loved is is talk talking about you know kind of the history of generative AI um, or just AI. AI and now kind of this recent wave of generative AI. And it, it it allows us the ability to focus less on the mundane. And I think that gives us more time to focus on the meaningful. Um, so, mm-hmm. so I do, you know, a great question here uh, from Mike. Uh, so Mike, thank you for your question. So he's asking, what is a very common use case being deployed in enterprise? So I love that because, you know, when an enterprise client comes to you or comes to Avanade and they say, all right, we're all in on Gen AI, like, what does that actually look like practically?
1: Yeah. Um, so I can I can give you one, for example, and this is since we were talking about the way that people work, right? And this is one of the public uh, things that I can discuss because as, as you can imagine, there are some more public and there's some less public. So um, I can... I can disclose, sometimes I'm not going to entirely disclose the name of the client, but in this case, I will. Uh, so, for example, uh, Michael Page, right, uh, wanted to, they, they came to us, they talk about how through the pandemic, right, and, and not even through the pandemic, throughout their entire existence, they have more jobs that they can possibly post and they can possibly look at, Um they are a giant company. They um, have a good recruiting system, but it's still overwhelming for people, right? So they wanted to see how they could leverage generative AI to drive efficiency and scale in creating those job advertisements for their business. So working with us, uh, they define a process to develop a job advert generation uh, generator, uh, leveraging our Azure OpenAI that we worked on with Microsoft to automatically generate job descriptions in, po- in app postings. In, in about 10 weeks, we deliver that solution. So if you can think about it, it didn't took that long. Uh, that will actually allow them to, uh, like and by them again, Michael Page, from going from 20 minutes per job advertisement creation to two minutes. Mm. Um, so huge, huge savings uh, on that. Most importantly, it will also help Uh, their recruiters on the way that they work and and make it a little bit more easy for them to to do this all intake, right? Um, And and ultimately, by reducing from 20 minutes to two, uh, they will be able to advertise all the jobs they currently have in their system, right? So while the value you will think about there is in time and cost savings, there is also a lot of value on the potential conversion rate that is going to happen because for what we hear, and this is a a number that I say for the very last, is that originally they were only able to post about 50% of all the jobs that they have available. And now the recruiters actually have the ability to post them all. Uh, Granted, now they are also using AI to screen a lot of people, right? In, 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 And this is kind of where that emergent experience side of the equations comes in place, right? Because we need to make sure that people can utilize this, that they find it easy to use, and um, otherwise they will not adopt it. So that that is one of the many examples uh, that I can I can give you over here.
0: Yeah, and there's and there's so many ways, Fernando. Right, like there's a great question by Mike, but there's probably a couple dozen different ways that you can answer that, right? Because you know, uh, deploying Gen AI in enterprise uh, could could mean. So everything many things right yes yeah yeah, so yeah, yeah. no absolutely <laughs> and, and i mean <laughs> we've
1: used it in many other industries right like one of my favorite yes. and i'm not going to talk about it because i can talk about it for forever but you can go and look at it is we did work for uh, sse uh, out in the uk and they were using generative ai to deter- determine where can we put wind farms in order to save the puffin population that it's in our little island right so like random things like that it, that people are not thinking is it's where we see this technology being used.
0: Hey, this is Jordan, the host of Everyday AI. I've spent more than a thousand hours inside ChatGPT, and I'm sharing all of my secrets in our free Prime Prompt Polish ChatGPT course that's only available to loyal listeners like you. Here's what Lindy, who works as an educational consultant, said about the PPP course
1: i couldn't figure out why i wasn't getting the results from chat gpt that i needed and wanted and after taking the ppp course i now realized that i was not priming correctly so i will be heading back into chat gpt right now to practice my priming prompting and polishing
0: everyone's prompting wrong and the ppp course fixes that if you want access Go to podppp.com. Again, that's podppp.com. Sign up for the free course and start putting chat GPT to work for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you are joining us, like, don't worry, make sure you read the newsletter. We're going to have a lot more on the things that uh, Fernando is talking about. Some more information on Avanade, like we always do in the newsletter. One thing. I want to hit rewind, though, a little bit here. And yeah. I want to go back to the beginning because one thing that we talked about, you know, there is this kind of, uh, you, you know, hot off the press news with the WGA strike um, ending. And, and one of the big things in there is, is they were worried about, okay, are these companies going to be using kind of this AI version? Of myself, so so let's not talk about it through the WGA lens and in the Writers Guild lens. But I'm just curious because it's something I get people asking about it all the time. You know, are digital twins a thing? Am I going to have an AI version of myself? Like, what's your take on just where that part of the industry is headed or might head?
1: Oh my God, this one is one that hits uh, home very closely because one part of my job as Avanade, as as I told you, right, is to play and experiment with the technology. So again, internally, I am playing with what it's like to create a digital twin for a couple of our key leaders, like the C-suite, and what does that really mean, right? And like, what are the implications of having something that looks like you, sounds like you, Mm -hmm. kind of behaves like you, but it's not you, right? And even implications like what happens after they leave the company or they die and How do we safeguard them and and, and work around them? One of the things that I would like to say, though, uh, around that is that internally here at uh, we've it's something that not only I myself have been experimenting a lot with, but we are very excited, yet at the same time concerned about it. And it's why, for example, four years ago, we hired my colleague Chris McLean, uh, which if you haven't uh, heard of his name, you should. He's an amazing digital ethics person Uh, in like uh, we we brought him over. He's on the LA area. But essentially, we brought him over to create a digital ethics practice for our own internal and external use, right? Uh, Not only helping our clients deploy technology, it's like AI responsibly, but helping them build a rigorous digital ethics practice within their own organization. And this is because it's going to be very important, right? To like continue having these things going up. Now, one of the things that I like to say with uh, digital twins, if you go and Google the term, um, and Google probably is not happy that I just said Google the term, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it's the fact that uh, there is two components to it, right? Because AI, AI twins are real. Uh, you can start seeing things like meta human or... Um, a couple of others that are coming out there uh, that you can start using them to recreate characters, but that's not the only thing that is a digital twin. A digital twin can also be on IOT buildings, right? Like Azure IOT, Azure digital twins actually talk about uh, buildings that can know who you are and based on who you are and where you are in the building, they can automate different tasks and, um, Based, based again on like how many people do we have on an area, do we lower the AC because we have X amount of people or we know that there is a meeting in this room and like suddenly the sun is blasting. Can we lower the cort- the curtains automatically just so that uh, people feel better? So again, that is that is just a distinction that I wanna mention between the two types of digital twi- twins. So you have to think them about uh, either the digital twin of a person and the digital twin of a thing, and that is kind of where metaverse comes in place, right? Like in metaverse, as we see it here at Avenat, um, is that connection between the digital and the physical. So even if you had a virtual representation, you can see that with the Apple Vision Pro headsets that are coming out next year that 3D scan your face, and when you do Face uh, FaceTime calls, instead of showing you with goggles, like it actually shows you as a person, but it's, it's an AI generated, um, 3d scan of your face, um, right. Like what is appearing in the world? Um, that is, that is, that is like that 3d model, right? Like you could actually make it appear in the physical world through the use of technology, or you can have it in entirely digital concepts, right? So like this AI twins, not only are the reproduction of buildings and things, but, Now that means that you can also be at many places at a time, including the digital and the physical space, right? And if I just leave you with that, think about all the implications, right? There's there's uh, so many. um, There's so many. You know, having something like that out in the world, right? Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, like Cecilia says here, she says, I love Chris McLean's role of digital ethics. And if you, if you are listening on the podcast, you probably didn't see my facial expression because as Fernando is talking about all of these different possibilities, uh, my jaw just started to drop a little bit because it is actually it's okay. So it's, it's, I think there's a dual purpose here. You know, there's, there's part of it. That's, you think of, okay, this is amazing possibilities, right? Uh, for, for how companies can run, you know, how they can even, in theory, run simulations to serve humans better in the end through the use of digital twins. But on the other side, you know, what you even brought up is there's definitely, you know, even ethical concerns. And, and you know, speaking of that, uh, you know, I did put out a little uh, question yesterday to the everyday AI audience. Um, so I wanted uh, Matthew Kilkenny. So thanks for this comment, uh, Matthew, yesterday. So uh, I think it's very relevant for what we're talking about here, Fernando, because he says at the moment, you know, I said how are you, how is everyone using generative AI? So he said at the moment, I am studying all things ethics and regulation, and he said there is none. They are still being drafted. So I do just want to hit on on that point, Fernando, like how you know whether it's it's companies implementing this themselves, whether it's you know Avanad's approach. How can we tackle this piece of, of of being, you know, taking advantage of kind of this generative AI wave? Uh, but then it's like, hey, when we talk about things like, you know, digital twins, the metaverse, you, you know, these uh, immersive experiences with Gen AI, so how do we how do we take advantage yet balance this uh, this ethical and, and, and regulatory side?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And um, I can answer that two ways. So I can answer it in an Avanade perspective, which I will just go and say first. And, and because this this matters for an organization, right? Like, So think about the, the first response is in an organization perspective, uh, roles again, like the one that we hired Chris McLean for about four years ago, or even the recent announcement that Florin Rotar is now our chief AI officer, which mm-hmm. is an entirely new title. It's uh, as well as Patrick Lowendoll, being our head of our metaverse service hub. Like those type of roles that you are starting seeing at different companies are being created so that we can start drafting this ethical and organizational considerations, right? Because a big part of AI is going to change the way we work. And even these digital twins, right, are changing the way that we work and we interface. I mean, you even think about, Copilot and I'm not going to derail us a little bit on that, but just mention it, like it has its own personality, right? Uh, so even though it's not a digital twin, like what we were just talking, you are talking about technology having a personality. And again, what are the digital implications of that? And can AI be mean, can AI be not mean like, what does, what does it mean to even have a personality? So again, um, in an organizational perspective, we if we go into that AI first approach, people first approach that I mentioned early that we utilize and we made it our core mission, um, you have to think about those implications as I was mentioning earlier of like, what does it mean for the people working? What does it mean for your coworkers? What does it mean for the safety of our company, right? In order so that you create the right processes around, but also around, what it means for us as an organization on an ethical outside of the organization perspective right and this is where you see those roles that i mentioned or even our involvement in the green software foundation as critical roles right like the creation of green software is in order because for example and i'm just gonna drop a random number there but uh, if the internet was a country by itself it would be the fourth largest polluter Right. And wow. when Avanade saw that, they were like, and, and and this is just by energy that is consumed, mm-hmm. right, that produces carbon. So when Avanade saw that, alongside with Accenture and Microsoft and a couple of other companies that are part of the Green Software Foundation, we were all like, oh, my God, like, if we want to go into our carbon neutral goals, which we were already thinking about using AI for... Uh, can we be ethical to say, oh, let's we're, we're going to be carbon neutral, but we are going to consume more computer services, uh, which will generate more electricity, which will ultimately generate more carbon? Is that really ethic yeah. ethical to say that we are carbon neutral, right? So there is regulations and things going at that. Now, the other answer, the personal answer to that, that question that you ask is as a technologist, Particularly if you are very lucky, like I consider myself on being in a role where you are allowed to experiment with things, but even if you do it in your own free time, you have to have a sense of what, if you're going to be using this technology for good, or if you're not going to use it for good, right? And those are very intentional. Like if you can see over here, like one of the mottos that I, it makes me stay at Avenat, and one of the things that I like is that they say, do what matters. Mm -hmm. And for me, the do what matters really mean um, changing the way that society uses technology, right? Like I'm always been passionate. I've been always been my family's IT support person, right? Like something breaks, they call me and they're like, hey, how can we fix this? And all my life has been around How can I make it simpler for them to use? Uh, So it's the same thing with like this digital implications, right? If I personally think that this is going to create conflict, I try to think about like, okay, how do I get that point across or go to that goal that I want without creating this? And at the same time, connect with people. And that's one of the main thing that we, I think we need to do as technologists as we're building this, like we cannot just work on it on silos. Number one, because otherwise nobody's going to adopt it. And number two, because you need to think about, okay, I'm coming to this podcast to talk about AI, right? Like, and I'm going to say some things like, what are, how is that going to be perceived? And then how the people that are listening are going to take those learnings and use them themselves. So there's a little implication there or random things on my day to day life. Like, as I told you, I play a lot with AI twins and I have to think about, Hey, um, uh, this thing is very powerful. And yet, and while it's still very early and clunky, people can actually hack in my computer. Granted, we have safe safeguards as the organization. Not to do that, but now I have the likeness of certain key people of the company and we can actually use it for misinformation, right? So what do I do? Not only I go to the Chris McLeans and the Florian Rotars of the world, but I also involve our lawyers right away, which at first they were like, why are you calling us? And I'm like, uh, because I'm working on this. Yeah. And then th- that grabs their attention, right? And 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 then um that actually moves at some point into regulations. I in my previous life, I actually work on a lot of regulatory work uh, to pass what became the first over-the-counter hearing aids. Um so while it's not AI, um I and I can tell you that that entire work I can kind of relate it, right? Like it's you start making your connections internally. And then you have to start familiarizing them out in the real world, right? When we work on that, hearing it, and it was at a previous company, um, we had to then at some point go and like talk to people out there in the world and do user research. And then when we had that user research, we had to go and bring it to the FDA and show like, hey, like we have technology, in this case, AI technology, as well as like manual controls through mobile phones mm-hmm. that we can be using in order for people to, uh, to have better hearing and not having to spend a lot of money. So why is this not available? And again, it's advocate and advocacy and advocacy. Um in it's 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 just fighting for what you really believe in, right? Um, and overall, like after doing that for a couple of years and having the support of amazing people, like we were able to make it, right? Uh and and I can tell you that I see a lot of that kind of stuff happening at Avenat, right? I I brought up the the puffin situation Mm -hmm. with SSE, right? Like it's at a very core of what we do in in this do what matters, right? Like, yes, as a company, we can always talk to you about sustainable energy and why we will create a digital twin for a wind farm and like look at all the efficiencies and how they run and like, where do we put it? But if we were to just deploy that technology out in the world without any consideration in the case of SSE, right? Like particularly where they are, we will, kill an entire animal population. And while it will be good for humans, it will not be good for the planet. So mm-hmm. with partnering with a client like that that had that vision, we were actually able to create something very unique that not only was at the core principles of the Green Software Foundation, at uh, the core principles of Azure IoT, but ultimately also something that for their society and for their island, mm-hmm. um, was going to be great because he was going to bring them affordable, reu- reusable energy without affecting their landscape, right? And right. so again, all the digital ethics things that come on that um, are
0: important. Wow, wow. For I mean, Fernando, we've literally, we've, in this episode, if you're listening, if you're watching live, this has been an all-encompassing episode. I love it because we've talked everything from you know generative AI implementation in the enterprise, digital twins, Ethics and, and regulations. We've even talked on environmental impact. We've covered it all, but I do want to wrap up here, uh, Fernando, by by getting your your hot take on something. So uh, kind of like what Brian said. Brian's asking, "Hey, any insights on how the metaverse and AI may come together?" But I'm going to broaden it up a little bit. So uh, I'm going to say, "What is your your quick hot take on just the future? You know, is as as we look two, three, four, five years out, specifically when it comes to kind of these emerging AI." um pieces. What is how will AI change the tech industry in the next couple of years? What's the hot take?
1: Yeah, so, and I can I can talk to you very quickly about this, right? But I think, and you touch upon it early on the news, that one of the biggest changes that we will see outside of the digital twin things that again, you will be able to interact with technology, which for me is very interesting now, right? right? Because now you can be able to say, hey, a brand you can behave or befriend a brand like you will befriend a person because they will have their own personality. But outside of that, which I think is very interesting, I think the the biggest change for the tech industry itself is on the copilot pieces that are coming out. Right, like uh, here at Avanade, on two thousand fifteen, we started building what then became uh, the group that it's it's going to be working on AI related technologies. And uh, we were very actively working with Microsoft in like on the GitHub Copilot that came out and then the, op- the Azure OpenAI uh, announcement that they did in 2021. And ultimately we really believe that, and I really believe that, uh, Copilot is going to change the way we work. Just like, as I mentioned earlier, the calculator did or the first uh, GUI uh, did when we moved from that to spreadsheets and then later mobile phones, right? Why? Uh, because and this is this is not in this is kind of where the I'm gonna take the answer in an interesting way because traditionally you will think about like well yeah, we're talking about how people are working and how people are doing things. But if you think about the digital implications that we were just talking, uh, in the next we as an organization or as individuals we just need to realize that in about five years, we're gonna have a group of young professionals joining the job market that, had used Gen AI through their whole four years college experience. And the reason why I say five and not four is because right now universities are restricting it. And um, even though they are restricting it, you know that they're going to use it. So why do you even oh, right. restrict it? In our job, right, in the tech industry is, and with things like Copilot and others, is to figure it out, how is that we're going to serve them, right? Because we're going to have them in like four to five years now working for us Again, people who has done their whole college experience on it, not to say that even this year, we're already hiring people that are using it even on their last year of college, right? But if we don't think about that and the AI implications of it or the workforce implication of it, we are just going to be left behind. Uh, We need to think about that this, we need to think that these young professionals are going to come with certain expectations to the workplace and to continue being competitive we will need to adapt our tool set and processes uh, or, again, uh, be we be left behind. And this is where Microsoft big emphasis on advising AI and immersive technologies space with things like, again, Copilot that I mentioned, the digital twins that we talked to, or even Microsoft Mesh, which is their uh, new metaverse uh, enabled product that actually is having a public release as of yesterday um, that we've been working on it for a couple of years now. Uh, that is going to be very, 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 very important, right? And like, we are starting to see it even in the way that uh, people works, right? Like um, one of our clients, it's a large automaker. Again, I cannot talk about all of them. But <laughs> uh, they they, they were having issues, right, on, on how long and drawn out their design process was. It's very lengthy, it's very costly. And to create new design ideas that are actually unique. Mm. Um, they did not knew what to do. And they were like, hey, what is this Gen AI thing coming out? And how can we use Metaverse? Or how can we use like uh, that in order to make it better? So in a matter of, of days, uh, we spun a new service for them that brought, again, together the designers, the engineers, and the marketers to use GPT models to inspire new product designs via a chat interface that had a personality. And this was not only about the tech, but it shifts also the people, the way that how people work in uh, being inspired, right? Like moving the starting of the line of the process of again this design complicated design process that was full of meetings to like just be able to put something in your computer and ask, hey, I'm like creating this or I have this idea, can you help me out and generate design ideas from that, right? So overall, I think that is the type of things that you are going to start seeing. And I don't know oh. if I took the question where you thought, but I mean, in this case, right, like you're talking about not only be able to see the signs and produce the signs that way, but also actually be able to then look at them in the actual physical world through AR or putting a headset and looking at them through VR. So when, when again, we think about metaverse, one of the things that I want to say is that is it's part of general, it's part of AI, right? Like, or AI is going to be part of it. So don't just consider them separately. And as long as you think about if there is a a thing that is both digital and physical at the same time, like that kind of car manufacturing process that I mentioned, um, it, it it's actually metaverse. So, uh, and I know some people will challenge me about that.
0: <laughs> that is what I believe on. Wow. Wow. Fernando, you... Even just on that one question, we just got such a detailed look of what the future, uh, especially in the tech industry, might look like with generative AI. Hey, even what Mike said right here, he said, hey, you got to ask Fernando to come back from time to time because this was an amazing in-depth look. Uh, Fernando, thank you so much uh, for joining the Everyday AI Show. We seriously appreciate your time.
1: No, no, no. I appreciate it Um, if I'm going to go and keep looking at the comments and I'm going to go in. Try to respond as much as I can, but no, thank you for having me. And seriously, whenever you want me back, this is a blast. I'll call you accountable for doing a Chicago meetup. Uh-huh, and let's go!
0: Let's go! Hey, well, we're both in <laughs> Chicago, so so neither of us can hide. Uh, hey, and what? Hey, Fernando was talking about Microsoft. We just did uh, an episode on Monday. Super excited about that. And if you if if there was just too much. Good information for your fingers to type, for you to jot down. I've even heard that people have their own everyday AI notebooks at home where they take notes. That's amazing. Don't worry. Uh, we're going to have a lot more on on what Fernando was sharing, more information on, on Avanade. So just make sure you go to youreverydayai.com, sign up for that free daily newsletter. We're going to be recapping this episode and a whole lot more. Fernando, thank you for joining us. Everyone, thank, thank you, you. Uh, for your great questions and input. And we hope to see you back tomorrow and every day for Everyday AI. Thanks, y'all.